church groups in Victoria for probably about 10 or 15 years. But he's up at Broome now. But he said, Bill, when you preach, you've got to have it in your heart because something could happen to your notes. Well, I'm going back in history. <laughs> you could leave them on the bus or whatever. So what I'd like to do is... Um, is that a bit loud or is it just me? It's fine. Let's trap this thing. I actually preferred the old speakers, the uh, microphones. To the elders among you, as the start of the, uh, the word of God, we've got a couple of elders here today, have we? There's one? There's two? I've got a bad back. Can I get you two brothers just to come up, please? My back has been killing me all week. I've had heat packs on for about six hours of a night, getting up, and uh, it's just not getting better. So the pain is there. I just want you to pray for my back, brothers. I'm going to exercise the authority in the word of God for healing and believing that God answers prayer. Uh, that's the way it should be. So, he does. So praise the Lord. I'll get you all just to pray for my back. And if anyone else wants to come up, just get behind me and uh, we'll go from there. Father, we, we come to you and, and because we believe that you have healing powers for the sick, for the injured, and I myself, this week, I was sick or uh, into last week, and on, on mm. the filing cabinet, I've got a little note to say, given to us from another, from another Christian sister, and the words were from your scriptures to say, if we believe you, heal, you will heal our wounds as well, our physical wounds. And so, dear Heavenly Father, we come in great faith yes, and ask for, for you to heal and uh, put your healing hand on Bill's back. Yes, Jesus. Because we honestly believe that you do heal. Mm. So, Lord, we, we leave it in your hands and we Thank have you, total faith in this. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, brothers. Thank you. When I was a, uh, a young man, I used to uh, sell papers, and uh, I was quite good at selling papers. I'd go on a Saturday and Sunday around people's houses. Remember the old blowing the whistles? Did they have that here? <laughs> I'd blow this whistle and wake them up to get them out of the house and buy the papers. But one guy, a Greek guy, said, man, he said, you can sell papers. I said, yeah, I can sell papers. He said, I've got a paper company. I, I uh, make Greek English translation papers called the Kerry, and I do soccer matches and all sorts of things. I'd like you to come and sell my papers for me. So I went there, and uh, at that stage in 1969, 1968, I was earning 30 bucks a week. I was earning more than what some people were earning all week as a paper boy, as a 15 and 16 year old. Now, the thing is that. God wants us to be paper boys. He wants us to share the gospel. And you know what the devil does? The devil will try any lock or hold. James, can you come here for a second, please? What the devil does, he's very, very subtle. It doesn't matter how big, and just relax too. Well, that's Do a bit sore as well, right? <laughs> All right. 
So what the devil you. does, you know, he, uh, he wants to twist his arm, but he can't, twist, he can't twist your arm because you're aware of it. Just put a bit of tension on this. So what the devil does, he just goes bang like that. And suddenly, you've got your, that's it, I'm just showing an illustration. You've got your arm twisted. So he's used another technique to put you into that hold. And he puts you into that hold to partially cripple you. Back to the word of God. To the elders among you, I appeal to you as a fellow elder and witness of Christ's suffering. Suffer, suffer. It's gone. And one who will share in the glory to be revealed. He wants us all to be shepherds. Just like that illustration with James, as a sheep who's been injured by Satan or by a natural problem, he wants us to be a shepherd to people. That person next door that maybe lives in your house turns the radio up a bit loud. He doesn't want you to go there banging on the door complaining. He wants you to show that person love. Or that family member of yours that gets up your nostrils with their attitude. He wants you to show them love. He wants you to be a good shepherd. And it doesn't matter if you're 14 or 15, 2 or 3, 30 or 40, 50 or 60, it doesn't matter. He wants us all to be good shepherds and to do his will as he wants us to do. But the problem is, sin gets in the way, you see, because we are all sinners. It's in our, it's in our natural uh, inheritance, you could say. Now, he also mentions things about being greedy for money, being eager to serve, uh, a lot of Christians fall by the wayside because of the old uh, the money. Um, and it's easy to do. I mean, uh, this week I may have earned maybe two and a half thousand dollars. Um, and it's easy for that two and a half thousand to control my life. I'm talking about clear money, not, not uh, you know, tax and everything's been done. And the trick of Satan is that he wants to bind us, whether it's with money, whether it's with pride, whether it's with lust, or whatever it is, he wants to bind us and he'll use any, any means possible to keep us busy. I've been as busy as anything this week, but he wants to keep us busy so that we don't become good shepherds. Now, I don't know how... The three people know us really well, really, really well, and it's not our partners... It's gone, it's the devil, and it's ourselves. They're the three that know us well. Everyone else has only got a, a rough idea. I mean, with my wife, uh, she doesn't really know me. She thinks she does, but she doesn't, uh, because I'm so secretive. It's just my nature. Um, but God knows me, the devil knows me, and I know me. But no one else really knows me, not even my children. They think they do, but they don't. So we have to open up, not be greedy, stop sinning, and set our lives apart unto God that he might have the glory, the praise, and the honour in our hearts. But the problem is we've all been twisted up and crippled by the evil one. How do you break that power? There's only one way. How do we break that power, Alan? power of the Holy Spirit and I'll come back to that shortly that's good
Now, there's one thing that um, in verse 4, this chief shepherd wants to give us a crown. Bubbly's had a crown for about three or four years, a little plastic thing. But we get the real thing. And if you do special things in your life, you'll get a jewel on that crown. And when we meet the Lord, we'll throw that crown down at his feet in honour to him. I don't know if you've ever thought about wearing a crown on your head, but for every Christian, you check up crown in the concordance and go through all the different scriptures, you'll be pleasantly surprised, and the jewels, just what a great, great inheritance it is. I mean, this week, Vicky's got a new car, and uh, that's great, but the, the new car is nothing compared to the crown that the Lord wants to give to her. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So he wants us to be living lives that are in humility, to uh, serve one another and to uh, show reverence to uh, Jesus Christ. He wants us to be self-controlled. He wants us to be alert because of that devil. And he wants to give to you eternal life in Jesus. And how do we do all these things? That's the problem. I mean, Paul, uh, Paul yes, and also Peter, uh, in the final greetings, that there was Silas, or Solanius. Uh, he, was, he was a helper to Paul. He was a helper to Peter, and he was a helper to a lot of others. He was a pastor in his own right. He was a prophet. He was a teacher. And it's good for Christians to mix with other Christians outside of our own little fellowship because it helps to sharpen us, build us up, and it gives us a wider vision ministry. Now, what I really want to talk about is uh, I've just sort of brushed through very, very quickly the, uh, the final chapter of uh, this particular book, the book of Peter, and what a book that's been. I don't know how the young pastor has managed to stick to that book. We've lost half the fellowship through whatever reasons, uh, and yet he's stuck with that. If I'd have been the pastor, I would have thrown that book at Peter <laughs> as far as the east is from the west because the whole fellowship's been decimated in the process and, and here is what is, uh, is left uh, presently. And what I'd suggest is that we love our brothers and sisters. They don't leave for, uh, for no good reason. They've left for what they believe to be honourable and good reasons and, and that's their choice. And I don't know any of the gossip, so I'm a bit... Uh, and I haven't tried to find out anything because I don't attend the, uh, the meetings here. But we need to love one another. I bumped into one of the younger brothers. Uh, I was doing a job at Baldivis through the week. The one that does, drives the truck, can't even think of his name. John. And I said, oh, how are you going? Where are you going? He felt a bit funny, but I just carried on and uh, you know, just loved him unconditionally. And so they're going to the, uh, I believe, the Church of Christ at, uh, yeah, at Warnborough. So, and that's good. Um, but yeah, we have to love one another and don't hold any bitterness because bitterness will destroy you uh, and if they hold bitterness, it will eventually destroy them. What I'd like to really do is talk very, very briefly how do we become an active, fulfilling Christian? There was two inventions in the world. What was the first invention going back years and years, around the time of Adam? Anyone any ideas? Oh, it's a cold day today. What was the first one? Fire! 
Gee, and what's the second invention? Almost, yeah, almost, yeah. What you need to do is go and jump on your bike, the wheel, all right? Now, the wheel is a great, great illustration. What holds a wheel together? What's the components of a wheel? A hub? Now, who is the hub to the Christian's life? Christ. Anyone give me a scripture? A scripture as Jesus as the centre of your life. What's that, darling? Yes, yeah, okay, that's one, yeah. Any other ideas? Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, anyone know that one? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, new creation, the old has passed away. So there's the centre of my life, the rotten, the rotten old centre, and Jesus comes in, and that hub on that wheel, that bicycle wheel, gets transplanted. The old is thrown out, the new is put in. Jesus, Galatians 2.20, uh, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life, this is the important part, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. The substance of, hope, substance of things hoped for, yet unseen, in the Son of God. So that should be the centre of our wheel, the hub. Christ the centre. He should be the one that's emanating out of our lives. So when we get up in the morning, do all our uh, little bits and pieces and we face the world, the world should be seeing something different in our personalities. They should be seeing something that's very, very attractive. And if it's not, then we've got a bit of work to do on the hub. All right, so that's the centre of the wheel. A bit like that fan, isn't it? That little centre. And then you've got the blades or you've got the spokes. What would be a major spoke for the Christian's life? Anyone any ideas? Yeah, oh, yep. The Word. The Word of God. Anyone got any scriptures for the Word? Uh, like um, 2 Timothy 3.16? All scripture is inspired by God. And it's profitable uh, for teaching, for reproof, uh, for correction, uh, for training in righteousness. It just does a whole host of things. So if we can build God's word into our life as a solid statue, as a solid girder, then our lives are going to be dramatically changed. I used to know a guy in Sydney and uh, he used to say, Bill, no Bible, no breakfast. In other words, he'd read his Bible every day before he did anything else. That was his quiet time. And he even devised a system where you could have 3 to 5 to 20 to 40, depending how much time you had, to spend with God alone, reading his word, and in his case, memorising the word, and in his case, meditating upon the word, and in his case, praying over the word. Uh, and he was a, a, a very, very uh, lovely Christian man and, uh, and a, a great businessman as well, he was. So the word. So we've got Christ the centre. We've got the word. Uh, Joshua 1.8. Uh, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But you shall meditate upon it day and night. That you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. You see, God not only wants you to be a servant and wants you to put him first. He wants you to start reading his word. And he also wants you to memorise his word. 
He wants his living word in your living life that you might reflect his glory to his praise and to your joy. All right, so we've got the word, we've got the center. What's another spoke? Who said that? Prayer. That's right. Anyone got some scriptures on prayer? Pray always, yeah. Prayer of a faithful man. And when it says man in the Bible, it obviously means woman as well. Uh, John fifteen seven. if you abide in me and my words abide in you, uh, ask whatever you will and it shall be uh, given to you, depending on which translation you read. Um, what else have we got here? Prayer. Um, without ceasing. Uh, Matthew 18.20. Can someone just open up your Bible to Matthew 18.20? It's just not coming to me, um, the scripture. I think it's for where two or three, I think. Yeah. All right, so what we need to do, as if you've got a, a husband or if you've got a wife and you're not in the habit of doing it, you need to get together and to pray uh, when it's a convenient time. If you're unmarried, you need to get together with someone else and, and pray with them. But, but most importantly, we need to pray to God by ourselves as well. And if we're a family, it's even good to pray as a family. Uh, prayer unites. Prayer changes. But you have to believe. Just as I got uh, Brother John and an uh, elder over here is just walking away on me. That cheeky man. You have to believe that God will do and, and believe it with all your heart. When I first got up here, I, I could hardly walk. And it's just starting to feel quite lovely down there. So prayer is a powerful thing if you have faith to believe. So we need to build the word of God. We need to build prayer into our, our lives. There's a couple of others that I've just listed. Anyone got any other suggestions? Oh yeah, that's conditional. Yeah, that's conditional. Yeah. What are we doing here today? Worship. Right, worship. We're worshipping God. Getting back to when I was a paper boy, I had no real Christian uh, upbringing as such. But when I went to the soccer matches with the Yugoslavs, the Italians, the Greeks, uh, the, the English and, and all the other isms out there, they were passionate. They were excitable. And it's a shame that the Christian church in Australia doesn't have the same passion and excitability for when someone scores a goal. Because we're the real goal scorers. God is the, you know, the head coach. And it doesn't do any harm to, uh, to show emotion in worshipping the Lord. When I go to Africa, man, do they worship God. Whoa! Three hours, of, well, two or three hours of singing. Uh, the message will go on for 40 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half, in two or three different languages. Uh, there's preachers coming up and down all the time on the stage. It's just, and until you've actually experienced it, it's very hard to even share it. But they've got the passion. They enjoy their worship. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Uh, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some, 
but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You see what I'm doing? With each of those spokes, I'm, I'm hitching a word of God as a mental hook to hold it in my mind so that I don't forget and so that I can build a sermon in my mind, the Daryl McCurley method, without relying on notes or whatever. So it's good to worship God and it's good to allow his spirit to flow through us. And Romans 1.16, uh, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation. And it's our salvation that we're talking about. It's your salvation that we're talking about. God has got power to save you. It doesn't matter what the devil has planted in your mind saying that you're not worthy. Listen, Martin Luther King, great man of God, he served diligently for, I think it was about 25 years, even though he died when he was 63. But it was about 25 years he really stood up, stood up for his faith. But he was, he was really sick this time. And he was a sinner. Boy, did he make mistakes. He made huge mistakes. But he's lying sick in his bed, almost at the point of death, and the devil's there. He physically saw the devil standing there, accusing him of all his sins. And Martin Luther said to the devil, you're right. They're all correct, but you've just forgotten one thing. The blood of Jesus sets me free. He paid the price. And at that, the devil went and he was instantly healed. Back to normal. God is a great God. I just want to read something. Well, I'm just talking about Martin Luther King. I wouldn't normally do this, but... This is called the uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's a terrible, terrible book of the atrocities that people went through. But this particular one, there's lots in here, there's lots and lots of examples, but this one really got to me. If, what actually happened was that in part of history, if you believed that Jesus was the Son of God and that that was your eternal salvation, you were called a heretic. In other words, you were called a baddie. That, uh, that wasn't possible because the Pope said or the religious authorities, the bishops, said that's not the way that you get to the kingdom of God. So then they would devise a punishment. They might strangle you. Uh, they might put you in a cellar and feed you bad food. Uh, they might uh, uh, stretch you out and, and cut off your limbs. <laughs> they might put you in fire. But listen, listen to this little account. I don't know if you're aware of these things, but it's all recorded history. Now, this is a poor woman with some other friends grabbed the local church and it's in Old English so I apologise now she being at the stake and one of the officers nailing a chain about her, see what they're going to do they're, gonna, uh, they're, they're all on, on the wall and they've put these chains around them so that they can't escape and to put the chains around them they've got to put spikes in so there's the chain and there's the spike being dragged in and, and you're stuck up against the wall and there's firewood here because they're going to burn you to death just to give you a, a visual illustration, that was how the, this particular one was happening. Now, she being at the stake, and one of the officers nailing the chain about her and striking in of the staple, so that's your big nail, he missed her. He missed the, uh, he missed the staple, and he smashed it into her shoulder. Striking in the staple, he missed the place and struck her with a great stroke of the hammer, on the shoulder bone whereat she suddenly lifted her head lifting up her eyes to the Lord and prayed 
listen to this, and prayed smilingly and gave herself to exhorting the people again. When all the six were also nailed, likewise at their stakes, and the fire about them, they clapped their hands for joy in the fire. You just imagine, your skin's melting, your hair's gone up, there's flames in your nostrils, they're singing and dancing and praising God, and they've only got seconds to live. They clapped their hands for the joy in the fire that the standers-by, which were, by estimation, the thousands, cried. This is what the crowd's shouting to them. The Lord strengthened them, the Lord comforted them, the Lord poured out his mercies upon them, and with such like words as was wonderful to hear. So even the people didn't want them to die. Uh, in this particular case, most did, but not in this particular case. And that's how they died. So this poor woman had this hammer slammed against her shoulder. Instead of crying out in pain, which I do, uh, well, I imagine I do, uh, she basically praised God. And that, that woman had Christ as the centre in her life. She had the word of God planted richly and deeply in her heart. She knew how to pray and to praise and to worship. And what was the final thing? She was a solid, solid witness. Now, that's an area that we need to be looking at. And I've put that as the fourth spoke. We need to be a witness for the Lord. Anyone got any scriptures on witnessing at all? That's good, yeah. Let your, and, and that's what she did in the light of that fire. Uh, Matthew 4.19. Um, let's have a quick look. Just a little scripture. And I will make you... Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. We need to be out there. We need to be fishing... And looking for souls to win. And uh, Romans 1.16 is a favourite of mine. Uh, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. We believe. We need to be out there witnessing. And so what I'm trying to say is that we've got Jesus as the centre of our lives. And we've got structure. We need structure to hold the wheel together. But the final thing that we need, we need the Holy Ghost. We need the Spirit of God to dwell in our bodies. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3.16. Can someone just find that scripture for me, please? And read it out in a loud, loud voice. 1 Corinthians 3.16. It's just come into my mind. That's right. So... We've got the uh, Spirit of God dwelling in us and that becomes the tyre. But that tyre has got to be pumped up. It's no good having Christ the centre, uh, witnessing, uh, fellowship, uh, prayer, the word, with a flat tyre. Uh, on Friday I borrowed a neighbour's trolley and the wheels were about the size of those fishing things and I wanted to carry a couple of fridges. One day I hurt my back. No, no, no. It was already sore before then. The tyres were flat. I had to put it back. I took it to the garage, tried to pump it up. You know, you put that thing in. 
<laughs> Give it a third time. <laughs> it was not only flat, it was shredded. It wasn't going to work. So I took it, took it back to my neighbour. just so happens that I've got a very, very strong son and um, built like the side of a mountain. So I used him instead. You know, God provided. God always provides. And even for our temptation, God will always provide a way of escape. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has overtaken you that has not come to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your strength. But he'll provide that way of escape. And so with the Holy Ghost needs to fill our lives, to fill that tyre and uh, then things will happen. Acts 2.4 with the last scripture that I'm going to look at. Acts chapter 2 verse 4. Except the two, verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The Spirit of God can do great things in our lives. I've read in the Saturday's paper that people are paying six or $800 uh, for prophetic uh, uh, gifts, I think it was, that they said. Uh, one was uh, the word of knowledge uh, uh, and other things. People are now paying money to do things that God wants to give us if you want it. Uh, and it's just amazing that uh, in this day and age that uh, Christians would actually pay money to... You know, what happened in the book of Acts? Remember that man? He, he was paying money. He wanted to have what... And now they were doing it in our church. And it's in yesterday's paper. So it's pretty sad. But that's the only reason it's sad is they're not reading the word. They're not understanding the word. They're not following the word. Uh, and the thing is, are we the same? Are we doing the same as them? Well, hopefully not. But if you are, it's time to turn, time to repent, time to get your life in order, time to be set free, and allow God's grace to grow in you and be the faithful witness that we need to be. Thus ends the message. Uh, yeah, I have preached before. I, 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 uh, I was an elder in a fellowship for about 10 years and I had a home fellowship for a couple of years. So I've done a lot of preaching. And, um, but I've had a rest for quite a few years as well. But God is good and he wants to bless you. He wants to bless the fellowship. But in order for the blessing to flow, we have to be obedient. And the thing about the wheel, the last thing about the wheel is Christ the centre, witnessing the word, prayer, fellowship, Filled up tyre, pump, 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 pump. But the tyre, the wheel, has got to move. It's got to spin. And that's the Christian, spirit-filled Christian in action. We have to show action through movement. So I guess what I'm saying is to myself, don't be selfish, don't be hard-hearted, don't do this, don't do that. Let Jesus in to change your life. And when he changes your life, Boy, he'll change it uh, beyond all measure of all means. Brother, are you still, still starting up your business? Can you just come up here, please? Because I know how hard it is when you start again. It's very, very... Elders, can you guys come up here again, please? I just want to pray for... I have a sense of urgency just to pray for this brother that uh, doors will open and that will get his business up and running because that's his livelihood. Thank you, guys.
Excellent.